Welcome to our next edition of Build, Grow, and Enjoy, the BGE Radio Network. Out of Atlanta, GA, live today here on buildgrowandenjoy.com. Also iTunes, Apple Radio, as well as many other outlets and situations. It's Build, Grow, and Enjoy. We've got a great guest joining us on the telephone. We are going to go to the telephones and uh, let our guest introduce themselves and talk a little bit about why they're here. Go ahead and jump in there, my friend, and give us a brief introduction on yourself. Yes, thank you very much. Um, this is David Bolgiano. I'm a former Baltimore police officer and retired uh, military officer who uh, has a privilege of serving in three combat deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan, and also my last assignment was as an instructor at the Army War College in Department of National Security and Strategy. Now, uh, you have a very interesting background. Uh, David, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing here. You've got Virtuous Policing. It is a uh, Amazing, amazing book. Uh, let's first of all talk about the book in, in, in our uh, first segment here. It is absolutely amazing. Tell us a little bit about how it addresses a hot issue in policing today, the militarization of police responses. Tell us all about it. Yeah, we, uh, my co-authors and I started this actually about two months prior to the Ferguson event. And I want to preface uh, anything I say with, with a disclosure, and that is uh, I'm a uh, staunch uh, pro-police uh, American, so um, I sometimes have to temper that in, in being critical where criticism is due. But the reality is, you know, 95% of the, the peace officers out there are just trying to keep the streets safe, and I think have received a lot of undue uh scrutiny from from some quarters uh, with that said there there are things that uh, that policing can do better and I think the the first one is is very simple and i'll I'll say it as simply as possible and that's get out of the car uh, we We don't spend enough time getting to know the citizens on our post. Uh, in our respective patrol jurisdictions as much as we did when I started policing. And I think I think that leads to some societal errors that we talk about in the book. We've got a great guest with us today. David Bugiano joins us here on the telephone, here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy this week, the BGE Radio Network out of Atlanta, GA, to discuss uh, a myriad of topics. The first is virtuous policing, bridging America's gulf between police and populace, and he joins us today here on our broadcast. Now, um, talk to us a little bit about uh, the the presence between uh, military and civilian police issues. Tell us all about it, my friend. Yeah, the the you know, and, and I get it. I you know, I was there. Um, it's uh, SWAT teams are sexy, you know, and and it, it's fun to get kitted up and kick doors down, go on after felons. But a trend that uh, I think is on the wane, I hope, is that we've seen SWAT teams being called out for calls that I used to go up and handle just by knocking on the door and saying, hey, is Billy Bob home? And now, you know, for even misdemeanor crimes, they're 
kicking doors in at three in the morning and going in dressed up like Delta Force guys. And I, I just think, I think there needs to be some good, virtuous leadership within the departments to keep that kind of thing from happening. We've got David Bolziano joining us today here in our broadcast. Virtuous Policing is the latest from him. It is an absolutely, absolutely amazing book. Now, talk to us about how the book examines the ethical, legal, and psychological and tactical issues in police leadership with that help of case studies. Yeah, the, it's very, very important for a officer, but particularly what I call the iron sergeants, the patrol sergeants, to be virtuous men and women. And by that I mean to have moral courage to to stand up to, you know, groupthink that sometimes is pervasive, to exercise self-control when necessary, to be competent in their craft, to be competent in understanding the people on their post, how humans think uh, in Human Operating System 1.0, and to seek justice for others, and that's not just our citizens, but also their their uh, subordinates, look out for their officers. And when you get all four of those cylinders firing at the same time, it develops a unit humility and a um, unit that also strives for magnanimity, a rarely used word in America, unfortunately, uh, meaning striving for greatness. And, you know, that that is an ideal police squad, and that's the type of environment I had the luxury of working in when I started my career. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, Coast to Coast. Border to Boulder, tune in, iTunes, Radio Loyalty. David Bugiano is with us today. Virtuous Policing here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Now tell us about some uh, realistic and practical training solutions. Give us uh, give us some offerings here, my friend. Yeah, certainly. I'll, I'll, I'll take some examples. You know, when I was a patrolman in southeast Baltimore, I had um, come across five young kids smoke, sharing a joint in a vehicle. Now, you know, a, a uh, law enforcement officer would see that as five drug-related arrests. Um, I, I consider myself a peace officer. So I'd go out, knock on the window. They'd roll, roll the window down, and I'd darn near get a contact high. And I'd say, are you, are you guys smoking dope? And they're like, no, officer. So I'd say, let me tell you something. I'm going to turn my back and count to 15 real loudly, and then I'm going to search your vehicle. And if I find so much as a roach clip, you're going to jail. And, of course, I heard the scurry, scurry, scurry and stuff going down the sewer. Then I'd sit him down on the curb, and I'd say, look, you know, young men, young women, uh, I could have locked you up there. It would have given you an arrest record for the rest of your life. It would have impacted your ability for schooling, for employment, for going into government service. I said, I can't keep you from smoking dope. I hope you will, but I can't keep you from doing that. So if you're going to smoke dope, do it in your basement, not my post. And I kick them off my post. Now, I think I did society a lot better favor than had I arrested all five of them, put them into the criminal justice system, ruin their future for a joint. We've got Virtuous Policing with us today. We have David Bugiano with us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy.
He gives us uh, an amazing, amazing book here. Now, tell us about uh, working with some of the uh, the co-authors on this book. Yeah, certainly. Morgan Banks uh, is a uh, retired colonel. He was the operational psychologist for U.S. Army's Delta Force, as well as United States Army Special Operations Command. Uh, brilliant, brilliant psych, and he really helped out. He, he, one of my favorite quotes that he comes up with is that human operating system 1.0 hasn't changed in 10,000 years of recorded history. So we ought to learn from our past mistakes. And uh, Jim Patterson is another retired Army Special Forces colonel and attorney. And Jim and I worked in a law enforcement agency together, and he brings his special forces and legal knowledge to bear. And we really, really work well, and, and each of us bring in a slice of, of pie to make the whole pie. And I, I think it came out pretty well. We've got David Bolgiano with us today, Virtuous Policing. It is a fantastic, fantastic read. He joins us today here on the telephone, here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Check out buildgrownandenjoy.com. Each and every week, build, grow, and enjoy. Now tell us about, give us some details on how to better implement force. Sure. Uh, first, first of all, uh, we have to recognize that let's look at the average junior high school ball player. That individual, uh, irrespective of the sport they're playing, practices about 400 hours a year, and they still are pretty poor. The only people that come watch them are their parents or their boyfriends or girlfriends. Uh, the average police force, and, and sadly many soldiers uh, and people deploying into combat, after their basic training or academy, are practicing less than four hours a year on situational training exercises concerning the use of force. And then society, in turn, is expecting NFL-level performance out of those officers. And, and I think that's, that's our first mistake. We're not spending the training dollars to train up our officers to make, help them make better judgments under stress. We've got David Bogiano with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast, coast-to-coast, border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty. Of course, build, grow, and enjoy today here on the BGE Radio Network. Thanks for joining us here on our big program. And uh, he's got Virtuous Policing. It is a fantastic, fantastic read, and he joins us today here on our broadcast. What's the message you'd like readers to get from the book Virtuous Policing? I'd like for them to get to the book that it is a two-way street, okay? The police officers, and for the most part they do, I mean, we just witnessed multiple, multiple examples of police giving their heart and soul for their communities out there. Um, we, we can expect that of them, but in turn, uh, you know, they ought to expect a little bit of support from us. And when I was raised by two wonderful parents who taught me from a very early age, wave to cops, wave to the police officers. Nobody does that anymore. I mean, and certainly in our urban environments, um, the police, police are vilified, and we wonder why what happened in my hometown of Baltimore is happening. Police are stopping the police stop policing because every time they arrest somebody or have to use force and and that force is always coercive 
And if you think about how many uh, uh, nurses or doctors in an emergency room it takes to hold down a two-year-old child to give him an IV, make that a 180-pound-year-old, two-year-old child, and you'll understand why police have to use what appears on a cell phone to be excessive force. But taking down an uncooperative suspect is extraordinarily hard, extraordinarily dangerous, and our society needs to be a little bit more tolerant of officers when they have to use that force. David Bolgiano with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, Virtuous Policing, Bridging America's Gulf Between Police and Populace. He joins us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy on the telephone. Check out buildgrownandjoy.com each and every week. Build, grow, and enjoy. And he joins us today here on our big program. Now, um, what's been some of the best reviews you've gotten on the book so far? Oh wow! I wish I had I wish I had my um, uh, Amazon account up in front of me. But we've we've gotten uh, some. Uh, my favorite review is from a legend in the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and that's uh, John John C. Hall. John is a retired supervisory special agent that Louis Free, the former director, kept on three years past mandatory retirement date because of uh, his expertise in the area of use of force. And if I could put a quick plug in for John's book, along with Yuri Patrick, uh, called In Defense of Self and Others. And it is a wonderfully enlightening and wonderfully easy read on the topic of police use of force. We've got David Bolgiano with us today, Virtuous Policing, Bridging America's Gulf Between Police and Populace. He joins us today on the telephone, and uh, this is Build, Grow, and Enjoy, BGE Radio Network out of Atlanta, GA. Check out buildgrowandenjoy.com for more information, social media, and everything is available at buildgrowandenjoy.com. Now, um, do you have a specific writing style? Did, did, did you and your uh, your co-authors have uh, specific writing styles with this book? Yeah, we, we try to, to write conversationally. We don't want to write technically. Uh, I, I'm, I'm also an attorney, and I can tell you that nothing puts me to sleep faster than having to read case law unless it's written by somebody like Antonin Scalia or a writer of that caliber or Oliver Wendell Holmes. But most technical writing, you know, will, 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 is just horrible to read. So we tried to make it conversational and uh, not speak in that techno-speak or science-speak that um, certainly Morgan Banks and Jim are capable of doing. And I, I think we did a good job. And, and, of course, we had the wonderful editors at uh, CRC, Taylor & Francis uh, uh, Publisher, that, that really, really smoothed out the rough spots. We've got David Bolgiano with us today, Virtuous Policing, Bridging America's Gulf Between Police and Populace. He joins us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. The BGE Radio Network out of Atlanta, GA. Check out buildgrownandenjoy.com. Now, how did you guys come up with the title of this book? Well, uh, I have a dear friend of mine who is an attorney uh, living in Moscow. His name, he's a French um French-born 
attorney and trained French trained attorney who now lives in Moscow named Alexandra Havard. And Alex wrote a book called Virtuous Leadership that uh, I was introduced to about five years ago. And then I actually, when I was an instructor at the War College, I had Alex fly in to teach the entire 422 students at the Army War College and lecture on virtuous leadership. And it was the best uh, received lecture of the year. And that includes people uh, like two secretaries of defense, uh, four or five uh, general officers and admirals, some really high-caliber speakers. Alex trumped them all. And so I, I turned on my co-authors to Alex's books, and we decided that we could apply his principles of virtue to the uh, concept of policing in America. We've got David Bolgiano with us today, Virtuous Policing, Bridging America's Gulf Between Police and Populace. He joins us today on the telephone today here on Build, Grown, and Joy. It is absolutely amazing conversation. Now, um, what books have most influenced your life as an author? I would say the, uh, anything Winston Churchill wrote, uh, I, I, I devour. Uh, the... A book, the fiction book that most influenced me is a book called Once an Eagle by Anton Meyer. And Once an Eagle is an allegory about a virtuous uh, army officer from World War One all the way to Vietnam. And the antagonist is a officer named Courtney Massengale, who is... Um, the opposite of a virtuous. He's a very selfish individual, but Meyer weaves a riveting story throughout the book of Once an Eagle, and that's I, I had uh, both my sons, who are now in the military, read that before they went on active duty. We've got David Bogiano joining us today here in our broadcast, coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information all available on our fantastic, fantastic app. And you can also get more information at BuildGrowAndEnjoy.com. And uh, the the next uh, issue on our on our docket here uh, from David Bogiano is uh, he is you you wrote a topic that is an op ed that you wrote uh, with, with a colleague. Uh, tell us a little bit about this. Uh, the the re- the recent one concerning total warfare. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Build yeah. build yeah. a bigger army. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We. Um we were taken by Secretary of the Army Mark Esper's recent comments about his desire to grow our voluntary army to over 500,000 soldiers. And the biggest hurdle that my uh, co-author, Lieutenant Colonel um, John Taylor, and I saw was that we're asking potential recruits to risk their lives for their country, and then after they do so, we abandon them when they uh, faithfully execute their duties in combat. And 
what I'm talking about is an instance like Army Lieutenant First Lawrence. His his platoon uh, was in on a patrol in a dangerous part of Afghanistan. They were approached uh, on their route of march while they hit a minesweeper in front of them by three military-aged males on a motorcycle. Uh, one of uh, Lawrence's soldiers shot at them to stop them. They didn't stop, so Lawrence gave the order to open fire. After they killed them, they at first thought that they were non-combatant casualties or village elders. What the Army withheld from Lawrence's defense team was the fact that the Army knew that these weren't village elders or non-combatant casualties. They were, in fact, IED manufacturers. And that's just the tip of the iceberg on the problems of that case. But here, here's here's what I ask, and what we ask is, if we're so easily sending young American soldiers like Lawrence to Leavenworth, yet, on the other hand, we seem incapable of trying and executing the likes of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the mastermind of 9-11, uh, I, we're, we're setting up a paradigm just like we are with officers in inner-city areas where soldiers are going to be hesitant to shoot for fear of getting prosecuted. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. He joins us live here in a broadcast. Now, uh, well, tell, tell us why you guys decided to write this op-ed. Yeah, we, we were, we've been, um, John and I were, um, John was the uh, judge advocate or a, a command attorney for Army's Delta Force as well as Task Force Bowie um, in Afghanistan, and I was uh, the command judge advocate for Special Operations Command Central. Uh, we, uh, we saw lots of action or incidents by our clients, our soldiers we worked with, where they made decisions under stress. They had bigger when they thought it was appropriate. And what concerned us is, had our soldiers that were in our command been in Lawrence's unit in 2011 uh, or 2012, they'd all be in jail. And how did we get from our handling, legally handling situations and reviewing matters, not in the clear vision of 2020 hindsight, but applying the law, which says that, that, that people must be judged how an individual would be in a similar situation under situations that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving. That's not happening anymore. And it's it's not happening because our, our collective JAG Corps are not competent in the operational law arena. Uh, they're not giving the tie to the runner. It, it, and and I, what I mean by that, if a soldier makes a decision, and in, in hindsight we, we say, oh, he could have done something else, or maybe he ought not have done that, if there's not uh, underlying criminal malice involved, like there was at Nilai in Vietnam, why are we even considering sending them to a court-martial. Absolutely amazing stuff. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. He joins us live, David Boggiano, and uh, fairly recently he wrote an op-ed with a with a colleague and uh, build a bigger army, think again. Uh, 
this this has probably gotten a lot of feedback. Tell us about some of the different feedback you've gotten on this. Yeah, we we have we've gotten a lot of uh, of feedback from from um, folks like yourself that are interested in talking about it. We got a lot of feedback from veterans, you know, that are giving the double thumbs up. And then, of course, you know, some of the uh, what what uh, I'll call the the hand ringers are. Um, you know, saying that we're over the top and we, we're, we're trigger happy. And I, I just want to point out, John and I, with our training, what we train our folks to do, what we train our special operators to do, is in fact not be trigger happy, but we train them to recognize threats and make better decisions under stress so they're more likely to kill bad guys and less likely to kill non-combatants. But we have to recognize that general officers, four stars and senior leaders, when they drop JDAMs on a high-value target in Afghanistan or other countries or use Hellfire missiles from Predator, routinely there's multiple civilian casualties. And there's no, there's no judgment of the senior leaders. Nobody's talking about, nor should they, be talking about putting the general officers in jail for that. So why are we holding our young soldiers at the tip of the spear to a higher legal standard than our senior leaders? And John and I think that's despicable, and it will be uh, it, it doesn't enhance a uh, sense of good order and discipline. It degrades it because it builds mistrust, it builds fear and hesitation amongst the troops, and it sure as heck won't help with our recruiting. David Bulgiano with us today. Here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, he joins us live here in our program. Now, uh, David, uh, before we let you go, if people want to pick up your book or read this op-ed or get in touch with you, how do they do that exactly? Yes, the best way is to go right to Amazon.com or similar website. Type in either Fighting Today's Wars or virtuous policing, and our books are right at the top of those uh, those those uh, sites under those names. And uh, we'd really appreciate it. And also, if people want to talk to us or get an email back and forth conversation going, they can reach us at fightingtogayswars.com. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time. Thanks for coming on and uh, being with us today, my friend. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for the opportunity. God bless you all. Appreciate it. There goes David Bulgiano, and uh, it's Build, Grow, and Enjoy. We'll see you next time. <laughs>